sports happenings and news first. We're going to start off with the uh, UCL volleyball team. Uh, finished the Southeastern Classic for the, uh, uh, with four straight wins uh, to improve the 7-2 on the uh, on the season. Uh, they will finish their non-conference slate Wednesday at home in Hamilton Fieldhouse versus Southeastern at 7 p.m. Uh, the 10th ranked soccer team improved to 2-0-1 on the season with a 5-3 win over Oklahoma Christian. Uh, they have scored 14 goals in three games uh, and are averaging an outstanding 30 shots per game. Uh, leading scorer Aisha Hale's uh, goal in, in the uh, win moves her to fourth all-time with 38, trailing two UCO Hall of Famers, Kim Brown, who has 91 goals, and Sally Holmes, who has 56 along with last year's National Player of the Year, Katie Killian, who had 53. The soccer team is back in action Wednesday as they host East Central also at 7 p.m. Uh, men's golf plays ninth in the Ryan Palmer Invitational. They return to action September 23rd and 24th in the Missouri Southern Invitational at Shangri-La Resort on Monkey Island, Oklahoma. So, uh... Never heard of Monkey Island, but uh, it sounds like it could be a fun, 
fun place to play some golf. Uh, the women's golf team finished eighth in the Tarleton State Invitational. They returned to action September 24th and 25th at the UNK Invitational in Kearney, Nebraska. Hopefully to come away with a good finish, just like the football team did. Um, and the last bit of non-UCO non-UCO football news is a big one. As former men's basketball standout Ardarius Avery, if you recall last year when I gave the basketball updates, Ardarius Avery, um, the Loyola Chicago transfer, was an absolute unit. The six six, he's about two hundred pounds. I was twenty and ten last year. Uh, he signed to play, play pro in Luxembourg. So uh, good for Andreas Avery now. He joins, last I'm aware of, um, former UCL center Drake Hammonds is still playing in Mexico. So that's two now um, that I'm aware of former Broncos playing professionally. So I wish Andreas Avery the best of luck. I know my man. Uh, and to apologize to him, my man, editor-in-chief of the Vista, uh, James Jackson interviewed him last year and, and said he was a very, very nice, friendly guy. So I'm wishing him all the best. And James, there you go. There, there's my correction. Uh, he he informed me he wanted he's going by editor in chief. So uh, <clears throat> so he's not editor in chief, James Jackson. Um, and some football news: wide receiver Mikael Hall was named Lifter of the Week this week. And quarterback Casey Bates was named the registered lifter of the week. And finally here, former UCL linebacker Chris Pogai. If you remember here, he had originally grad transferred to Slosu. He has instead ended up in Langston. He had nine tackles against FCS foe Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, and a losing effort as they as <clears throat> excuse me, as Langston fell 56-9. Uh, mind you, Langston is NAIA and Pine Bluff, like I mentioned before, FCS. That's three levels up, so good to see him uh, do well against superior competition. Now, moving on to the main entree of the podcast here, another come-from-behind win. Um, this is something that I think at this point, if you're a UCO fan, you're probably used to it. Now, it's probably frustrating on some respects because you like to think if you know they came out and did what they did in the second half, in most games, we did they do it in the first half, you know, we wouldn't have this problem. But in any case, um, it started much like Pitt State. Uh, it was it was really similar. Um, the uh, defense uh, held Curry to a field goal on the opening drive. Then uh, Will Collins and company quickly responded with a touchdown, a nice four-yard pass to a Monte Preach Phillips. Let me tell you, Monte Preach Phillips. Uh, my man Chris Brannick, the sports info guy, uh, and Mr. Editor-in-Chief James Jackson informed me that Monte Pre-Phillips is indeed a baller. Uh, let me tell you, the 40-yard catch was impressive. It wasn't just one of these, uh, he was just wide open. No, he, he made various moves, uh, cuts, bobbed and weaved, and found his way into the, into the end zone. So you had a 7-7-3 a lead. Uh, on the next drive, again, Kearney drove down there, but this time missed a field goal. Um, and then, following a UCO three and out, the, uh, the, the UCO defense forced a forced a turnover on down. So, 
you know, pretty good opening series, opening three series for defense. We know last week against Pitt State, uh, was not the prettiest. They did not punt until a little over five minutes in the third quarter. So to, to see them uh, force two field goals and a turnover on downs right there was huge steps in the right direction. Uh, Curly did, however, uh, go on a 15-play, 80-yard, 7-minute, 20-second drive before the half to get a touchdown with, I believe, 19 seconds, 9 seconds left um, to take a 10-7 lead into the locker room. Then in the third, Curly was struck again with an 11-play, 85-yard, 6-minute touchdown drive to take it 17-7. Uh, then that's when UCLA's offense, it, it kind of started to show some life. <clears throat> we had a big play to Kill Hall, a 50-yard uh, touchdown that was called back because only a holding call. Uh, and so that drive ended up in a punt, unfortunately. Uh, but then the defense would, would force a third field goal. Um, and which I believe was actually missed. And that one was missed too. So um, I will say to, to note on that one, there is an unsung hero in this game who made a couple of nice plays. That is my man, Jacoby Hunt. Jacoby Hunt is not going to show up on the stat sheet. Then you look at the stat sheet and go through. I think he has about five tackles. But Jacoby made a heck of a play. This is this pure effort. Uh, Curry should have had a touch on actually. It was a well-thrown ball by the current quarterback. Let me, let me tell you, a well-thrown ball. Uh, All-American City, O'Shea Harris was right there. It literally, they sort of replay on the uh, on the stream of uh, the NYAA network, and it, it literally, it was inches. They say football's a, a game of inches. It was inches off of O'Shea's hand. And if, 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 Jakari didn't haul it from almost the other end of the end zone. So, you know, it's there, it's happening live. He comes in at the right time before the receiver can, can secure the ball. He lays one of his patented big time hits and in the, the passes uh incomplete with the forced field goal tip that was that was missed. So Jakari not only uh helped essentially force in his field goal, but he saved seven points right there. Um, and now after that is when the offense caught fire. Dustin Boskis kind of been quiet the first, I would say, one and three quarters of the game, of the, of the first two game, you know, first two games of the season. Had a beautiful sideline catch that to me was was top ten with Now to me, it was outdone a couple of plays later because now the catch. While it was nice, Will Collins, it was, it was perfectly placed, by the way, perfectly placed ball right between two turning defenders. Could not have thrown it any better. But Dustin Bonds is a couple of players that was upstaged by sophomore Tyrone Howell. Now, Tyrone Howell, um, kind of, I, I did not hear his name called against Penn State. Didn't hear his name called earlier in the current game. But he made an impact. Let me tell you, he had. I don't know if any of you were at the Lindenwood game, I believe two years ago. Had been two years ago. Uh, and Josh Crockett against Lindenwood in the corner of the end zone had a beautiful one-handed catch while getting while getting pass interference uh, on him. 
Darwin Howe essentially did the same thing in the same corner of the end zone, except for it was in Curry Nebraska. And let me tell you, that catch uh, was immaculate. I mean, like they, 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 they didn't call pass interference. They made it was a pass interference call. But let me tell you, he, I mean, one hand extended it, brought it in. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, cut the lead to three at that point. Cut the lead to three. The defense again came up with another stop after a big hit by Osha Harris uh, that forced a punt. Now, UCO did get the ball at the own seven yard line. It was a beautiful punt by Kearney. Uh, but again, Dustin Boskis again rising to the occasion, showing why he was an all conference guy. Um, Another big time catch to really bail them out. I believe it got into the current 47 right there. So it really helped. Uh, then, this is where Will Collins, I'm Will Collins all game. I'm a preface here, the, the, uh, the, the offense, the offense in the first quarter accounted four drops. There were four drops in the first quarter. There were five drops from what I can count on the day. There were four in the first quarter, two of her big game. One was by McKeel Hall in the middle of the field. Uh, it would have been at least a 20, 30 yard game was dropped. PJ Roberts had a surefire touchdown that was dropped. Uh, Dawson Huddleston also dropped the ball. And I, 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 there's one more drop in there. I can't remember who it was currently, but those really hurt the flow uh, of the of the uh, offense there, but Will Collins a, a lot of time on third on third down. If it was not for his ability to make things happen, to uh, to escape the pocket there, uh, Will Collins on a fourth and six when no one was open, able to scamper for for the first down would allow the drive to continue. Where Chandler Garrett in the Wild Bronco package. Uh, was scored on a two-yard touchdown run to give UCO their first lead since the first quarter with uh, 21-17 with 5-09 left. Now, again, this is Wichikari coming in clutch again. Now, the kickoff here, um, Alice Covetto put the ball in the end zone. Now, you would think Kearney would have, would have kneeled it, but the current return man brought it out and Jakari laid a typical textbook Jakari Hunt big time hit, stopped him dead in his tracks at the 10 yard line. Then on the next play, Kobe Underwood, who's again has had a rough start to the season. Uh, we know last year he started as a rusher freshman, had a rough start, was then replaced by some D1 transfers, came on strong towards the end of the season. It, it, it's kind of starting to show those, uh, those Zach Sanchez vibes, I don't know if you all remember Zach Sanchez, the former corner from OU, would get would get beat at times, uh, give up big big plays at times, but in the in the clutch, would find a way to impact the game. Uh, most notably, he had that interception against Tennessee on the road uh, that that sealed that win there in overtime. Kobe, to me, especially if you are towards the end of last season, he had that clutch pick in the bowl game, had that clutch pick against Missouri Western. Uh, he, I'm kind of getting the similar vibes where you, you're going to give up some plays, but when it counts, Kobe Underwood will make the play. That's what he did when he forced a fumble that was recovered by, by the linebacker Dylan Hall at the Kearney 8-yard line. 
It was the first Curly turnover on on the uh, on the season. There, Tupa and Garrett were running from five yards, like a twenty-eight to seventeen with four on my left. Both teams Detroit stops until Kearney will get a touchdown with fifty-one seconds left. Now it was kind of it was disappointing. Uh, the way they were able to pass the ball on that uh, on that drive there, and the good thing was UCO was able to allow them to waste a lot of clock on that, uh, and then UCO would recover the onside kick, and that would do it. They ended Kearney's bid for uh, starting a starting a season two and zero for the first time since 1969-70 season. So uh, big loss there for Cranmer Kearney. There's a team on the third year coach that is improving, but UCO was able to get it done again without the priest. Uh, but again, a four quarter rally. They outscored Kearney 21 to 6 in the fourth after they took the was no good. Um, you know, it, 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 you just, you just, we came in here last week at the end. I said we were hoping that we had. I, I, I come on here and we talk about you know a, a dominating performance and 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 uh, and they were able to get off to a fast start and kind of and kind of keep that momentum going. Unfortunately, it was the same old song. Now I will say the defense here on the Russ Pickett made vast improvements. Currently, again, was the option. Now granted, it's more of a, a spread option, uh, kind of like what Chip Kelly used to run. Um, and, and they, to me, they did a tremendous job on that, especially, especially with the, with the, uh, with the pitch, the, uh, the, 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 the pitch defender to me, uh, I, whether that been Benjakari or, uh, O'Shea did a, did, 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 did a much better job. There were not many big, really big time, big time players. I mean, there was some in the past game and to be expected. Uh, when a team is so just run heavy, uh, you don't really know when the pass is coming unless it's an obvious passing down. But they, to me, they did a good job. And it, again, they, they were able to, especially in the red zone, you were able to force three field goal attempts and they missed two of them. And that one of them, especially that last field goal, let me tell you, I don't, I don't know what, what scheme, um, Special teams coach Tyler Holland had on that one, but it was a jailbreak. I, there were at least four or five uh, Broncos in there, and I feel like that is what probably rushed the kick. He had to push it to the left, I believe, because uh, there were two big bodies in there. And so uh, I have to give also a credit there to uh, Tyler Holland because the game special, special teams units uh, also showed up so if, if we take away the drops which killed some drive i mean i killed at least two three drives in the first quarter uh you know i i, I this is uh, this is a much better performance uh again there's room for improvement here you you, you still would like to have gotten after that first touchdown drive like to have had sustained success. Now I'm still gonna go. I, I said it. I said it then. The kill hole drop on the massive game. I, I would kill that drive. He had another drive with T.J. Roberts had another big game. 
and to me there were there were there was at least two drives right there that I felt like were going to result in touchdowns or at least field goals or scoring opportunities. Um, that it, it had it ended up being 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 punched. So uh, again, the fast start is not there now. The opponent, this with Lincoln now. Lincoln to me is a game at the right time because if we're looking on the schedule, uh, next week they travel to Northwest Missouri. So to me, this is an opportune time to get the to get this on track because last season in the upset against Northwest Missouri, we got off to a fast start and had a 28-3 lead heading into that fourth quarter. So it is imperative if we plan to get back-to-back -back wins against Northwest Missouri State that we get off to a faster start. Uh, that being said, um, that being said, you know, it, uh, it, it was it was a win. It was a win, and you can never complain about a win. There was improvements across the board. I think most of the issues are are, are fixable. And so again, I was I was definitely glad to see the win. I was glad to again see the see the fight and again another comeback, tenderly led by Will Collins. And with Will Collins, I'm I'm getting. I said that earlier this season. I said it last week. I said it in the preview. I said it after the bowl game. It's something about with Will Collins. You don't feel like you're out the game. I I I, I don't. I never felt worried, even entering that fourth quarter. I did not feel worried because he always seemed to come up with that one big play that just sparks the offense, and and, and then it just starts rolling. And so, uh, I, I have to give him again credit here um, for showing great, for showing poise. I'm telling you that he, he saved several drives with his left man's legs, uh, and so I, I had to give him uh, much credit. For helping to win, and we're looking at the at the stats on the day. Uh, the Broncos had 17 first downs, 179 rushing yards, and five yards of carry. Um, 200 yards passing for Will Collins. Now he could have had more. Again, he had nine now no, he had 11 incompletions. Now five were drops, so he should have been 18 or 24 um, with two touchdowns. And total offense, he still had 379 yards. He turned the ball six times for an average of 40 yards a punt. Uh, and then we're looking here, time of possession, 26 minutes, 18 seconds. Four of 12 on third downs. Again, three of those, they had a first down on drafts. So you caught those, you talking about a team that's 7 of 12, much, looks much, much, much better. 4-2 uh, on fourth downs was huge. Uh, most importantly here, three of three in the red zone, all touchdowns. Uh, and then we're looking at uh, Kearney, 27 first downs. Again, the offense is just going it, to, it, it's it's tough to out first down a, a, a option team. I, I don't care what form it is, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't I don't recall Army getting out first down by many teams. I feel like you look, look at that Michigan game. They either out first down Michigan or it was somewhat close. Um, Tony had 223, 233 rushing yards and four and a half yards of carry. 
two touchdowns. Now, this this is what got me is a 271 passing on 11 completions. Um, basically, basically, it's about 24.6 yards of completion. And again, that's just the nature of the beast when, you, when you're playing these teams because you don't know, again, unless it's an obvious passing down, when the pass is going to come and, and, and that makes it so much dangerous. So again, like even if the numbers don't seem that great, it is still vastly improved from last week. Uh just the overall play. There were no big plays and there weren't that many big plays put it that way. And again I, I saw I saw improvements there. Uh currently have five hundred and four yards offense on seventy five plays. Again the one knock you could say got to get off the field. Uh, they ran 15 more plays than UCO did. Uh, so you you would like to see the offense have an opportunity to get some more plays because again on the on the plays they're getting, if we're being honest here, 60 plays, 28 points. That's not terrible. It, it, it's not it's not terrible. You would like to see what they could do. They were also in the low 70s when it, when it, when it comes to plays there. Wanting to see a couple more touchdowns uh, or some more points in general there. Um, let's see here. Kearney was, had the ball for 33 minutes and 42 seconds. Again, I'm not surprised by that. 7-14 uh, on third downs. But this is where UCO won the game. They won the game. Kearney uh, was 1-3 on fourth. Four six in in the red zone and one three on a field goal. So to me, UCO won that game by getting the stops when they needed to. Uh, again, I mentioned four at the top. It was not pretty, but it was a win. Uh, looking at the individual stats, again, Will Collins was thirteen of twenty-four, two hundred yards, two touchdowns. Um. TJ Roberts, first 100-yard game of his Bronco career, 18 carries with 101 yards. Will Collins, 7 carries, 54 yards. Chandler Garrett, 8 carries, 27 yards, 2 touchdowns. And Todd Griffin, 1 carry, 2 yards. We're looking here at, uh, now I will say, there's the fucking noted here that Kearney's starting running back Darius Webb only had 3.2 yards of carry. So while the rushing numbers might seem great, they stopped the main man the 3.2 yards 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 per carry. As a matter of fact, the best running back that had more that had at least five carries was 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 Dayton Seeley. Uh average five yards of carry. Now the, the main one was the better quarterback who they put in, in that second drive. David Goodwin uh, is faster than their starter Alex Alex McGinnis was. He averaged 8.7 yards uh, a run. So I was surprised when they went back to Alex McGinnis after that drive because uh, that was the drive where they where they got the touchdown. So I, I was I was surprised uh, at the at the at the change there uh, because David Goodwin was looking so good. But regardless. Uh, I think, think, think that the defense again did good given the circumstances. Uh, looking at receiving here, Dustin Bonds, four catches, 85 yards. Amante Phillips, three catches, 57 yards, one touchdown. Dante McGee, uh, again, the eight backs, uh, very underrated. 
Uh, two catches, 21 yards. Mikhail Hall, one catch for 19. So they had two. Tyrone Howell, one catch, 10 yards, one touchdown. Keith uh, Roberts, one catch, seven yards. And Marshall Tolson, another H-back, one catch for one yard. Defensively, uh, Dylan Hall led the charge, nine tackles. Uh, Jeremiah Hill, eight tackles, one for loss. O.C. Harris, seven tackles. Uh, Chris Lewis, a, a, trans, a Juco transfer, I believe, uh, six tackles, one TFL. Jakari Hunt, again, only five tackles. And I'm going to tell you the man's impact would be on the stat sheet. Uh, Drake Paul Brown, four tackles. Marlon Hughes, Marlon Hughes, the wrestler freshman linebacker from Enid. I'm going to tell you in that first quarter, Marlon Hughes put him on the clinic. Uh, he had four tackles, two, two TFLs. Marlon Hughes was a force in that first quarter. Uh, I, 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 I see now uh, why in the spring, Kobeck mentioned, mentioned his name as well in that in that deep linebacker group. Uh, Marlon Marlo Hughes is the guy that I expect to have a very bright future here in a Bronco uniform. And then finally, Kellen Murray with the other tackle for loss. So, um, that was the Curry game. That was the Curry game. Now, we, 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 now that we're 1-1 on the season, which is much better than 0-2, uh, as we were last season, and 0-3 the year before. Now, this, this year again is optimism because we should be able to beat Lincoln on Saturday, 7 o'clock. Should be able to beat Lincoln. If we, again, I mentioned before, if we're two and one entering the North Missouri State game, we have a chance. We, we have a chance. Like we obviously we would like to be three and zero, but if we're two and one, uh, we still have a chance. Now again, kind of put you on a bind because the next three after. After Lincoln, you go Edinburgh, West Missouri, Fort Hayes for homecoming. Again, with number 11 ranked team in the country last week. It was upset, but again, a very good football team. Uh, then Central Missouri. Then Central Missouri, who beat Fort Hayes uh, in the season opener. And you go to them on the road. Those The, the last year's game uh, came down to the very end of man Eli Hooks. Again, with back-to-back sacks there to save the game. So that is a tough three-game stretch, uh, right, right there. So I feel like you have to win. We're talking about the playoffs here. Have to win. I mean, you would like to win all three, but two, I feel like, is a must here because I don't. If, if because if we're looking down the stretch, okay, Missouri Western at Washburn, Missouri Southern, Northeastern State, and at Emporia. Now Emporia. The past three seasons has been just absolute classics. So that is no gimme right there. Uh, so I feel like we have to go at least two or two and one here in the next. After this week, they have to go, have to go two and one against Northwest Missouri State, Fort Hayes, and Missouri. I feel like to still keep themselves in that playoff hunt. Now, looking at this week's opponent, because you never want to overlook any opponent, as how upsets happen. Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln, the Lincoln Lions from uh, from from Missouri, and HBCU, historically black college and university. 
Uh, it's 0-2 on the season. Uh, they lost the opener 49-27 to Wasburn. And the home opener last week, 38-14 to Southern. Now, I know what you're thinking here. I know what you're doing with thinking. You listened to me last year before UCO played Missouri Southern and just ended a 20-game losing streak against Northeastern State. They had two sacks entering that game. And I made a point to mention they had two sacks entering that, entering that game. Now, this is a different Missouri Southern team under first-year coach uh, Jeff Sims from Garden State Community College, where he won, I believe, a couple of Juco National Championships. So a much better Missouri Southern team. Now, RZ, is it, is it good? No. But uh, this Missouri Southern team uh, has shown way more fight. They have an elite quarterback, uh, a D1 transfer, a former Big 12 quarterback, uh, and he also brought in a bunch of his uh, of, of, of his players from Garden City. So it's a much competitive Missouri Southern team. So not the same one from last year. But nonetheless, uh, this is their first year in the conference coming over from the GLVC. And now looking, again, Lincoln has not been a power 16 wins this past decade. Uh, two over 11 seasons. And they have a high record of 3-8, was achieved last season. So not a powerhouse by any means. Uh, if we're looking at the stats here, uh, their star player, the star player, uh, just stat-wise, is sophomore running back Hosea Franklin, 5'7", 180 from Memphis. He had 281, no, 251 against Washburn in the season opener. And then 127 last week, but has yet to score a touchdown. Now, yeah, I feel like this is we're, we're kind of going by a broken record here. But stopping the run uh, the past two weeks was imperative. It is imperative again because again, Mr. Franklin has been tearing it up in the first weeks of the, the first weeks of the, of the season. Um, now their their quarterback. Also runs with the ball. Now I have, I have not seen Lincoln's offense. I am not sure if they're running a, if, if they're running a spread option, but I do know that <clears throat> excuse me that the quarterback junior Chancellor Johnson 6'6", 230. It's a big boy from uh, Newman, Georgia. Uh, so far this year has a four to one ratio. Uh, last week had <clears throat> was nine to seventeen. With 73 yards and two touchdowns, also ran with 62 yards on 11 carries. So this is a guy who I would imagine is going to be tough to bring down in open field. I mean, 6'6", 230 is a massive frame. He's a man mobile. So uh, I, I'm going to go on a limb. You probably want to see some quarterback runs and read option there. Uh, and then they have another running back. So not to be outdone. Uh, by the starting by, by uh, Franklin, they have a freshman by the name of Tory Hicks, uh, 5'7 and 180, who had two touchdowns last week. So, the running game is a huge part of, of Lincoln here. Um, then, when they go to the to the air, um, a junior wide receiver, CJ Closser, 5'7 170. And sophomore receiver Drayson Austin, 6'1, 180. Uh, saw uh, each had TDs against Wasper. 
Um, so, you know, I, they, they ha it seems to me, you know, if we're looking, they put up 27 against Wasman, you know, uh, Wasman, a solid program, I believe they made a, made a bowl game last year. And now what would concern you, if you're a, a Missouri, if you're a, a, a Lincoln fan here, is a 13-point drop against a lesser opponent, uh, especially at home, once was a 14 there against Missouri Southern uh, was not the best, especially when we look in here, when especially when you look at the box score of the game and you see that the score at half was 21 to nothing. Uh, and, and then and then making the game there they scored 14 points in the in the in the third. They cut it to a seven point game, then allowed 17 points in the fourth. So this is a team here that again, if we're if we're looking and also here the point of the box score against Washburn. Now they, they were making it was tied at half against Washburn in the second half, they were outscored 28 to 6. So this is telling me here this is a first half team. Uh now which is which is which is looking actually sitting up pretty darn well for UCO because right now uh one would deduce from the first two games we show is clearly a second half team, or we see Lincoln is not. Now again, not to toot UCO's own horn here, but the offensive firepower UCO has uh, is is superior to both Washburn and Missouri Southern. So again, if they allow Washburn 28 points in the in the in the in the second half, and then Missouri Southern to score 17 points in the fourth, uh, I, I'm I'm liking the odds here. I'm I'm liking the odds again. Would like to see a fast start from happen to come back. I thought like this is this is the week. Um, and then defensively here, Lincoln is led by senior safety Hassan Muhammad Rogers, 5'10 and 180, who had 10 tackles, one TFL last week. Uh, sophomore linebacker Vontavious uh, Thacker, 5'11 257, had eight tackles. Uh, and then senior linebacker Breon Sanders, 5'10 and 190, had seven. So we see they're kind of light there. Um, and outside of now, obviously Thackeray at 257 is a big boy, but Brian Sanders is light. Now, TJ Roberts at 210 has the speed and the power here. Uh, Mikhail Hall, as, as we as evident in that in that bowl game and a Northeastern State game last year, uh, is stronger than his 180 frame would like you would like you to believe. Uh, he drove the defenders into the end zone in both those games. Uh, Tyron Howe is a physical receiver. So again, I'm liking these matchups here. Uh, 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 and also a note, Lincoln has no sacks on the season. But does have three interceptions, two against, um, two against Washburn and one against Missouri Southern. Now, if we're looking at the, at the Missouri Southern game, they were out first down 25 to 11. They allowed 322 rushing yards at seven yards a carry. Now again, you've not seen TJ Roberts play. I encourage you to take a trip down to Wellington Stadium Saturday at 7 p.m. 
and watch this man work because T.J. Roberts, and, or, 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 um, the, the comparisons to Josh Birmingham are warranted. I'm just put up, it, it is warranted. At first, I was skeptical because somebody Bronco legend right there. They are warranted. They, they are warranted. So, I, I, again, I'm, I'm thinking here, this is no disrespect to, to Dalton James, the uh, Missouri Southern the, the Missouri Southern running back, but if TJ Roberts is much better, and so if they allow 222 yards at seven yards a carry, I am liking the odds here uh, of the ground game. Now Lincoln had 198 uh, rushing yards at 4.4 yards a carry. Now passing here, Lincoln again had 20, had 73 yards, two touchdowns. Missouri Southern had 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and they were outgained 522 to 271. Now they actually only ran six less plays than Missouri Southern did uh, at 62. So I would like to think if Missouri Southern could hold them to two plays. UCO's defense should be able to hold finally under 70. I, I feel I'm, I pitched they have been ran about a little over 70. Um, we obviously know Curtin ran 75. I think this is a game where we can get the play count down here, uh, get some more plays to the offense. Missouri Southern only punted four times. Lincoln punted 11 times, only 400 yards. So, should be a game where we get some returns here from Dustin Boskis. See if he, he can uh, break some. Uh, Missouri Southern had the ball for 29 minutes, 41 seconds. Uh, Lincoln had it for 30 minutes, 19 seconds. Both teams were off on third down. Missouri Southern 3 of, 3 of 11, and Lincoln 2 of 15. Jeez, 2 of 15. Okay. Uh, I, I, okay. Um, this one also one or two on fourth downs. Um, there were six or six in the in the red zone while Lincoln was one or one, and this one had two sacks on the day with three made field goals. Now, I'm thinking Chandler Gary will convert the field goals into touchdowns if they are close, but. Uh, again, this is this is this is looking looking well. If if Missouri Southern again, uh, a team that is improved, um, if that if they're able to uh, to go six, six in the red zone, I, I, I don't see why UCO couldn't. I really think this is a game here where if UCO comes out, plays their full potential. We don't stall after the opening drive. This should be a game similar to Missouri Southern last year, similar to Northeastern State last year, where at halftime, starters should be getting pulled. Uh, the starters should be getting pulled. Uh, we should be seeing Keith in there. Uh, we should be seeing some more of the receiving core, uh, more of Dawson Huddleston, more of Jonathan Bazel before. Uh, more of Diego Richards, more of those guys. Hopefully, get a get a um, get some more carries for Todd Griffin, for uh, Peyton Scott, make his UCO uh, day debut. For say more Daniels, and just 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 more reps 
for bad guys. That is the hope. That is the hope. That's what I'm hoping happens here is Lincoln. Now, we don't want that to happen. Is we're in a dogfight like we were against Missouri Southern last year. There was only a seven point game and a half. Like Brandon Eastfield came out there and scored 24 straight points and put the game away. But it should never have been a 10 7 game at the half. So the, the, the thought is that to come out there and do what they did against uh, Northeastern State last year. I believe it was 42 to 0 at the half, so, uh, something around that. Um, and so we can get the backups in there. Uh, we can we can avoid injuries, especially heading into that brutal three-game stretch. And, and again, maybe this is the game uh, where we rectify the early the, the, the early game struggles here. Uh, we put them away early, and we can really see the quality depth uh, that we have in all positions. I know on defense, the, the uh, depth is clearly there because of the, the rotations. Uh, we, we, we've seen the linebacking core. We've seen the defensive line. The secondary is still work in progress. But offensively, especially in the backfield, where I would generally believe that you see it was four deep with Roberts Griffin, uh, Sabre Daniels and Peyton Sky along with Tucker Pauly back there. I think four to five deep we only see two. Uh, hopefully we will see at least two more um, Saturday. Uh, and again at the receiving core, uh, I, I would like to get, I would like to see more action for for Tucker Mizell in this uh, in, in this game if the if the, if the, if the score warrants it. Uh, we, I would like to see those like those kind of guys get in there. I like to see Keith get in there. I like to see Keith get in there. Um, I like to see him have some success, throw some touchdowns, get him back acclimated after the uh, leg injury last year. And, and and I'm just looking again for a sound win, not a come behind win, not a close win, but a resounding four four. Four quarters, unending win against Lincoln, and then we will, you know, tackle the Northwest uh, Missouri State game. But uh, again, uh, this will take place Saturday, at seven o'clock. Uh, kickoff at Watkins Stadium should be a good one. Should be, so hopefully, be uh, less nerve-wracking than uh, the past two. Uh, should be a game, a game where a lot of backups should be getting in there, and should be good, jolly old fun. So that's gonna do it for this week's ep- uh, for, for this week's uh, episode of the Chosen Podcast. The twentieth episode is now in the books. Crazy to think that this started basically on a whim. It started it started on a whim uh, with just me realizing that not enough people know about the, about the football program down in Edmond that was setting school records, that was producing, uh, you know, national leading receivers. Uh, and, you know, and so I was like, you know what? Maybe there's something I can do to help. Again, thanks to my man, uh, Swan, Mr. Adam Francisco. Um, he gave me an opportunity to do said podcast, and here we are 20 episodes later. And I have to also, before we end here, want to give a huge shout out to the 
you see on football Instagram page has shown you are truly much love. They always have shared uh, the podcast on their Instagram story. It really means a lot that the football program is also enjoying the podcast and, and, and they are liking uh, the content that is, that is being put out there. And again, to all the listeners, I know I know there are some, some parents and players uh, that also have listened to uh, the episodes before in the past. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, hopefully, uh, your son was mentioned in there, and 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 he was mentioned in good light. I never want to throw shade on anybody. I, I never want to. Um, I never want to speak down, you know, regardless of the outcome, because you know, again, these guys are trying their best out there. Um, so that's gonna do it. Uh, next week for episode 21, hopefully we will be recapping a glorious, dominating sound four-quarter win over Lincoln Tigers. But until then, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.D. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.